Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and well, this past weekend sucked for me. Everybody lost. All of my teams that were playing, at least on the, the traditional sports side of things, aka football, lost. For the same exact reason. You know, both have superstar quarterbacks at their their respective levels and uh, played for field goals. And guess what? It didn't work. It was it was painful. And now the Ravens are very not good. Uh, they are out two of their best running backs because of Rona and one of their only re remaining defensive linemen. And the offensive line is still made of wet tissue tissue paper and the receivers still can't catch balls that hit them square in the hands so it was it was a great weekend for me that was that was so much fun and they have to play the Steelers in four days because that despite the facility getting shut down earlier on Monday today when I'm recording this they're still gonna play that game without one of the few remaining good defensive linemen without the two best running backs with an offensive line still made of wet tissue paper and receivers who can't catch balls that hit them directly in the hands. So if you want to know how my weekend went, there you go. That was, that was my weekend was, uh, was suffering through two games back to back days. It was awful. But since I didn't do a show on uh, for last Friday, for various reasons that I'm not going to get into, I have to play catch-up today. And good lord, a lot happened last week. A whole lot happened last week when, uh, when League of Legends Free Agency opened up. And a lot of it's changed already. <laughs> But obviously, the big one, the, the big one that has been confirmed to happen, because the other big one, it seems like, has fallen through and may not actually happen anymore. But despite the fact that they lost perks on a massive $5 million buyout to Cloud9, G2 ain't taking that lightly. So they go and... Uh, they get reckless and take him away from Fnatic. Because, sure, they didn't need to stay a super team and have two of the best players in Europe playing at their natural positions. Good lord. Because Perks and Caps are probably the two best European players right now. But they're both mid laners. And even with the role swap that worked last year... That has caused some problems in 2020 because both of them wanted to play mid lane. And clearly the partnership was no longer sustainable. And I really thought Caps was going to be the one to leave, not Perks. I, I really thought, I really thought it was going to be, uh, be Caps the one who was leaving because he was the new addition. Perks has said he was never going to go to NA. And then Cloud9 came with a dump truck of money. And Cloud9 was already a good team. And 
adding him to the mix just makes them even better. But G2, not to be outdone, goes and makes a splash move of their own and brings in Reckless. Oh, you know, just the two best pieces of the 2018 Fnatic team that also went to a World's Final was the first European team to go to a World's Final in almost 10 years. And now he's teamed back up with with Caps. And they're both going to be able to play their natural positions. There's no positional over that there. Reckless is a bot lane and Perks is a mid. Or Caps is a mid. They're, that, that, gets, that has gotten me confused so many times. Caps is staying with G2. Reckless joined G2. Perks is coming to NA. But the fact that now two of the best players in Europe are on G2 and are both going to be playing at their natural positions. Good Lord. G2 is just going to G2 is just going to roll all over all over everyone next year. And I mean, what else did you expect from the maniac known as Carlos? Like the the maniac the maniac that is that is Carlos. That man is is absolutely insane in in every way. Like his uh his acceptance video for the organization of the year award was was peak content gold. Like he was saying, Oh, I, I don't really care about it that much, but you guys don't have it and it's mine, like just all the other orgs who were nominated. I think it was Hunter Thieves, SSG. I don't know why SSG was nominated. Like, they won SI. That's it. And, sure, winning SI was an accomplishment, and that was one of the best esports stories of the year. But, like, all they did was win SI. I think Cloud9 was on there. I think Fnatic was on there. It was a few other... I think it was a few, it was a few other really big orgs, and he was just trashing all of them. Oh, NRG... NRG had a case. NRG definitely had a case because the Huntsmen were really good. NRG branded teams did okay, did reasonably well. And the San Francisco shock, like NRG had a case, but him, him trolling all of the other orgs who won just by saying, yeah, I don't really care about the trophy, but it's ours. So F you like, that's hilarious. This is the kind of move I would expect from a guy who does something like that. And I I don't know who's going to stop G2 next year. I mean, people said that when, uh, when Caps joined. But at the same time, like, Perks and Caps both played out of positions at different points during their time with G2 because they both wanted to play mid. And one of them had to play bot lane. It... I think Perks in bot lane worked a lot better than Caps in bot lane did. But Caps in mid lane, reckless as ADC, we've already seen what that can do. That's called 2018 Fnatic. And now with a... And, I mean, Fnatic's still going to be good next year, too. They took Niski. So... Like... G2 sends their mid laner to North America for a lot of money 
G2's biggest rival turns around and send and signs the North American team's old mid laner for presumably also a lot of money. And I mean, he's he's Turkish, so I'm I'm not surprised he wanted to get get closer to home. And joining with Fnatic, even even though they don't have Reckless anymore, Fnatic's still going to be really good next year. It's going to be G2 and F the G2 and Fnatic show in Europe again next year. Because, I mean, things shook up a little bit this year, but who was the LEC Summer Final? It was still G2 and Fnatic. And it will be again in LEC Spring 2021. It will be G2 and Fnatic yet again. LCS, I don't even know, because so many teams have completely changed their rosters. Like, Golden Guardians, like, the entire team basically joined 100 Thieves. Like, Huhi, FBI, Demonte, and Closer. That's four of the five players from Golden Guardians are going to 100 Thieves before next season. And now they have Stixay and a whole bunch of guys who are basically unknown. Like, these guys are all relative unknowns. Iconics, Newbie, a Blaze Olive, that's an awesome name. <laughs> and this guy, Niles, who's going to be their, their top laner. Like, these guys are... This is a, this is full-blown, like, this is a full-blown player development roster outside of Stixay. And Stixay's still, like, relatively young. Like, Stixay, how long is he, he's, or, he's been playing since 2014. So, he, he's been around a while. But he's the only one, like, these other guys. Yunbi, how long has he been playing? Uh, he's been playing exclusively on like academy and lower level rosters like golden guardians is his first truly pro team two steps ahead wildcard gaming silver buff cat arena bloody gaming lotus esports hypernova like these are not lcs teams <laughs> he doesn't even have a picture on leaguepedia a blaze olive he's he's played for tsm and golden guardians academy but that's it. Iconic, he has played for an amateur team called Wildcard Gaming. He played for University of Iowa for two months, so he played for them for a semester. Supernova for a while. Team Clarity, back to Supernova. Maryville University, who were actually really good. Maryville University are one of the better Collegiate League of Legends team. And now he's playing with, uh, and now he's playing with Golden Guardians, also his first pro contract. And Niles, how about him? All, also Maryville. He was, uh, he would have been, he was, uh, what's the other guy's name? I totally forgot. He was uh, Iconics, he was Iconics teammate at Maryville for a while. So that's good, especially to have that kind of synergy between a top laner and a, and a jungler. But this is a full-blown player development roster. Like, None of these guys, other than Stixay, have played professionally before. Like, how long is, how long has Stixay been in LCS? 
Stixie's been in LCS for five years. He started playing. He was a sub on CLG from June of 2015 to November of 2015. And he's been a starter on either CLG or CLG's Academy team for the past five years. Well, he's, he's bounced back and forth. But he was consistently part of CLG's roster for five years. Now he's on Golden Guardians. He is the only guy with any kind of LCS experience. And now all of Golden Guardians' previous team is now playing for 100 Thieves. And all of 100 Thieves' team from last year is gone. Other than... Other than someday. Like, someday is the only one who is returning from last year. Poom. Contracts. <laughs> Rioma. They're all gone. Now. They... See, that's the thing. Hunter Thieves tried to do player development last year, and it didn't work. So maybe... These guys got called up to the big roster a little too soon. I think that's what happened with uh, with Poom and Contracts, and Rioma was just not ready for NA. And now that the OCL doesn't exist anymore, I don't know what he's gonna do. He'll hopefully he'll find a spot on a, on an academy team now with the the changes to academy that are supposedly coming for for next year. Because he has potential, he just was not ready for the LCS, which. Man, that's saying something. If you're not ready for the LCS, <laughs> you you better go. Uh, you better go find yourself a wild card region. But he's from Oceania, so uh, he doesn't have many options because he'd be an import everywhere but NA. And I'm uh, I'm interested as to what this hundred thieves team is going to do because these four guys, closer Demonte, FBI, and Huhi. They have played together already. They played together last year with Golden Guardians. It wasn't that great of a team, but these four have all played together, and someday's a good veteran leader. How long has he been? Okay, so he's been playing. He played with KT Rolster for three years. Then he signed with Dignitas. And he's been he's been with Hundred Thieves for about the same amount of time he was with KT Rolster. So that's good. He's been there for a while. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he can be kind of a a true veteran leadership presence on this on this new this very new look Hundred Thieves roster. And. I hope they can do better because they're my team and they weren't very good last year. So who knows, who knows what this new look roster is going to do, but I'm, I'm definitely curious as to what this team is capable of. It, it's a good looking team. It's just a matter of them putting it together and they're all under contract through at minimum the end of 2022. So they'll be together for a while. Some of the guys going even farther. Like, Someday and DeMonte are under contract through 2022. Closer FBI and Huhi are under contract through 2023. So this is, this is going to be a team that hopefully sticks together for a few years. 
But I I wonder what they're going to do. Hopefully they do stick together and this team does work out because obviously Papa Smithy has stated that 100 Thieves' goal is to make worlds. And they haven't done that in two years. So hopefully, hopefully that'll change this year. With the changes to the LCS format where it's just one long season with a separate tournament in the middle, maybe they'll have better standing going into the the playoffs playoffs but we'll see we'll see the the big story in na that still doesn't have a resolution is this whole thing with tsm's massive splash signing of freaking sword art as soon as i saw that tweet i was like wait sword art how in the world did TSM get him? And why the heck would a world champion caliber support want to sign with TSM after the season double lift just had? Like, what support in their right mind, world class caliber support in their right mind says, you know what? I just made. I just made World's Finals with this underdog team that no one expected to even make it out of the LPL because the LPL is such a bloodbath. They cannibalize themselves. That no one expected this team to make it out of the LPL. They come in as the third seed. Everyone's overlooking them in favor of of Top and JDG. And they go on a massive run all the way to World's Finals. They put on a really good show. They're the first team that loses finals to not get swept in a in a couple of years. And this guy decides, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go sign with TSM. Whose bot laner is most famous for saying, I don't give a crap about Spring Split. I questioned the decision making by Sword Art there, but now apparently that deal may not work. For various reasons, immigration and taxes. Because apparently, despite the fact that he is from Hong Kong, it is very, he is still technically considered a Chinese citizen. Most countries around the world, or at least people around the world, do recognize Hong Kong as an independent country. Even if China doesn't necessarily believe so. But because of that, it's been hard for him to get a visa. And because there's no tax agreement between the U.S. and China, he would essentially pay taxes on his salary twice. Which also sounds like not a whole lot of fun. Because cost of living in L.A. is insane, so I can't imagine paying taxes on a on what is probably a multi-million dollar salary, or close to it. I couldn't imagine paying taxes on that twice. That sounds awful. But the bigger problem is, if that deal does not work, Doublelift may retire. So TSM is going to have to scramble and find a new ADC. Now, I have been clear about my opinion of of double lift. I think it is time for him to hang it up. 
I think that would actually be the right call. Because this would be a double whammy of, of overall good things to happen for North America. Because I was watching Captain Flower stream and he had a good point. The player base in North America is so much smaller than the other four major regions. We do have to occasionally sign import players. And he's right. The player base in North America is way smaller. Like, think about this. The player base in North America is about the same size as the player base in Vietnam. Or, no, is smaller than the player base in Vietnam. Because Vietnam's player base is about the same size as EU West. Which is three times the size of North America. And Vietnam's is about the same size. So our server population is lower than Vietnam. They send two teams to Worlds and they didn't even go this year. So we don't have much of a player base to pull from. But the flip side to that is we don't have much of a player base, meaning we should work harder to develop the players we have and stop relying on Europe, China, and Korea to develop our players. I mean, I know TSM just wanted to wanted to copycat Cloud9 and sign a freakishly talented player that that no one expected. But Sword Art on TSM. One, I would I would assume he speaks English if if they're gonna go after him like this. And he's going to play a position like support that requires a lot of communication. I mean, every every role in League requires some level of communication, but support feels like one where you're doing a lot and you're doing a lot of shot calling, depending on the team. And... Not, and shot calling in not your native language sounds ridiculously hard. So I, I'm questioning his decision-making on that side there as well. But there, there's a lot to this deal because there's a lot that could cause it to not happen. Because if he can't get a visa, Team Liquid learned that lesson with their jungler, Broxa. Like, Team Liquid learned that lesson. And if he has to pay taxes twice on his salary, there's no way I'd sign with TSM. Like, if you think about this, you would have to pay Chinese taxes, which I'm sure are outrageous. He'd have to pay California income tax, which is also outrageous, and U.S. federal income tax, which is, again, outrageous, at least on at least on a salary that high. So he would have to effectively pay taxes to three different government bodies. Chinese, California, and U.S. National. I wouldn't want to pay that. That sounds awful. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this deal fall through unless TSM works some kind of magic to make a deal where he would only have to pay taxes once. And he can end TSM works some kind of magic with immigration so he can get a visa. One, 
immigration laws for athletes need to be expanded to esports athletes because that's the one they get, but it's really hard to get it. Like it's really, really hard to get it for for esports athletes. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they can figure that out. But at the same time, I kind of want this deal to not work so it forces Doublelift to retire because I think it's time for the old guard to move on. The rest of the old guard has. It seems like Sneaky is going to stay retired. Bjergsen obviously has retired and has moved into coaching. Like, I, I think at this point, especially with Bjergsen being his coach... I think it's time for Doublelift to hang it up because I don't know how that dynamic would work. Because that dynamic has never worked. The guy who was a a relatively recently retired player coaching the team he just played for, so he's coaching his teammates. That didn't work with Jason Kidd on the Nets at all. Like, at all. That that did not work with Jason Kidd. Because, like, he had to coach... He had to coach Kevin Garnett and Rondo. And it didn't work. Because they were his teammates for much longer than they were his coach. And the dynamic was weird. Bjergsen and Doublelift are more than likely going to have the same problem. So, I'm kind of hoping this sword art deal falls through. One, because I'm tired of overly relying on imports. Like, I acknowledge that North American teams will have to sign import players because there's not enough North American players to fill out 50 roster spots. Plus academy rosters. There's not enough North American players to fill out that many roster spots. So I can, I can understand the need to sign import players, but I'm tired of the over-reliance on them. And Perks was the one big splash for the year. And it, it was a change in MO of signing imports. Like, Perks isn't washed. By no means is Perks washed. Like, a lot of times it's washed European players who aren't very good anymore. Or just the LCK's rejects. Because they couldn't make an LCK roster, they come they come sign with the LCS. I uh, I I don't want that to be a thing anymore. And Sword Art doesn't fall into that category either. He falls into the same category as Perks, but I don't want to start the trend of throwing money at superstar players from from other leagues either. Like I, I don't want to start that trend. I, I want I want the Golden Garden strategy to work. I want the player development strategy to work. And hopefully it will. I don't know if it will, but I hope it will. Because I have been waving the flag for that cause for several months now, if not longer. But that's what I got for League of Legends. Up next, we'll uh, get into some NBA talk. The offseason may have been delayed by a few months, but it was just as crazy as ever. That's up next here on The Mashup. So, (laughs) the NBA offseason was delayed by several months because the season restarted when uh, 
free agency would normally be going full steam ahead. But despite the delay, oh boy, did we get a crazy offseason. <laughs> Things started moving immediately. Obviously, we had the the James Harden rumors, the Russell Westbrook rumors, Chris Paul getting traded to the Suns, which who knows if that'll work out or not. I hope it will because I like Devin Booker and want him to do well because he seems like a nice enough guy. And he's a and he he's a fellow nerd, so I uh I appreciate I appreciate him and he he regularly shows up to games wearing 100 Thieves merch, so I, I respect him on that level, too. So I want him to be able to do well beyond just putting up insane numbers and his team kind of sucking. But... Thank God for Daryl Morey. He did what I thought was impossible. He got rid of Al Horford! Thank you, Daryl! <laughs> And he signed Dwight Howard, which honestly, that is a way better choice for a backup to Joel Embiid than Al Horford. Because, one, clearly, Horford just hated Philadelphia. He did not want to play there. They just gave him a dump truck of money for some reason. And it did not work. He hated Philly. Philadelphia hated him. His wife was truly awful. Like, oh God, I hated her even more than I hated him because she would just tweet some of the dumbest stuff. W way to ingratiate yourself to the silly lady city. Way to way to ingratiate yourself to this city you at least supposedly were going to be spending several years in. Yeah, good good job there. God, her her Twitter was so awful. And I am, I for one, am very glad both of them are gone. <laughs> because, let's be honest here, they both suck. Al Horford was not a fit for the Philadelphia 76ers at all. They gave him way too much money. His personality clashed with Joel Embiid immediately. And him and his wife clearly both hated the city to its very core. So that is... That is one of the worst moves the Sixers have made up to and possibly including the Andrew Bynum trade. Yes, the Andrew Bynum trade may have been better than this Al Horford signing. Because you know what the Al Horford trade or the, the Bynum trade did? It kicked off the process. When it fell through, it made them realize, okay, you know what? Let's blow it all sky high and start over. So I can't really say in good conscience that this was better than the Bynum trade. That's how bad the Horford move was to me. Because think about it this way. The Bynum trade started the process. The Bynum trade is the reason the process happened. Because they went all in and it didn't work. So they said, okay... That didn't work. Let's blow it up and start over. The Al Horford deal killed the process. I mean, part of the process dying was letting Jimmy Butler walk too instead of just firing Brett Brown and signing him. 
Because if you fired Brett Brown and gave Jimmy Butler a reasonable offer, he'd still be on the team. And you wouldn't have gotten swept by Boston in the first round. And you wouldn't have looked completely lifeless and unmotivated. Just a thought. And now, Miami's going to kick the crap out of you for years to come. Now, they did make improvements. I like the Dwight Howard move. I like the Seth Curry acquisition even more. Because you combine that with the drafting of Tyrese Maxey, who is a true point guard. You add Seth Curry, who is a shooter. Not as good as his brother, but... I saw him at Duke. That dude is a shooter. Again, not as good as his brother, but so what? He's still a Curry. And Steph was very complimentary of him on Twitter when the move was announced. He said, Sixers, y'all got a good one. I I know he's just gassing up his brother, but I don't think he'd necessarily lie about it. And I mean, Seth played at Duke. So... He started at Liberty, took a crap on the Big South, and then transferred to Duke. And he then proceeded to help Duke, a very good Duke team, take a lot of craps on the ACC. So, I trust his game. The two of them allow for Ben Simmons to move to small forward. A position his game is a lot more naturally suited to. And then you have Dwight Howard and Joel Embiid. And you still have... One, you have a really good perimeter defense team. Because Seth Curry is reasonably good at perimeter defense. Tyrese Maxey seems okay at it. Ben Simmons is a very good perimeter defender. You have Thibel coming off the bench, who's a reasonable enough defender. Tobias Harris isn't great, but... He's he's a good offensive spark coming off the bench. And now he won't have to do as much because Simmons can move to the small forward position, which is what he should have been playing his entire NBA career because he is not a point guard. He does not have a jump shot. When now that you have people who do have jump shots, he can play his game a whole lot better. And again... Al Horford is gone, and it seems like everyone on the team absolutely hated him. I can't say I blame them. I hated him when he was in Boston, and I hated the signing. And he just did not perform for the Sixers. Like, he was not even close to worth the money they gave him. And I'm so glad he is gone. You have my attention, Sixers. You're still on thin ice. Like, everyone else is still higher on the totem pole of my emotions than you. The Ravens, the Flyers, the Orioles, Liberty Basketball, Liberty Football. They are all still higher on the emotional totem pole than you are. But you have my attention. You definitely have my attention. That is that is the compliment I can give them right now. I can't say I'm totally back on board, but you have... My attention. I am not completely giving up on you now. That's the best I can say for the Sixers. <laughs> but one of the... I, I'm glad this move didn't actually happen. I'm glad 
I'm glad Bogdan Bog, Bog, Bogdan Bogdanovich didn't get to go to the Bucks because that just would have been not fair. They already picked up Drew Holiday, and I think that's a very good acquisition. I think him and Giannis will click. I think him and Giannis will click, and they will click very well. A lot better than the guys they traded for him. But man, if if Bogdan was able to join the Milwaukee Bucks, that team would have been horrifying. They're already really good. Why make them worse? I'm glad the NBA stopped that one and said, no, this is tampering. You can't do that. But why the heck did the Hawks pick him up? Guys, you are already perfectly fine at scoring. It's your defense that sucks. It's it's your defense that sucks. And they did nothing to address those concerns. You guys did realize that the Warriors who didn't need to play defense because they would score 150 plus points a game were still a really good defensive team. That's why they would blow people out of the water. Because they would score 150 points and barely give up 100. That strategy only works if you have a good defense in case the shots aren't falling. Because right now, as far as good defensive players go, they have Chris Dunn. That's it. Everyone else is an offensive freak of nature. Now, if Chris Dunn can make Trey Young a slightly above average defender, and Trey Young can help become, become God, got tongue twisted there. If Trey Young can help Chris Dunn become a an average at best shooter, that's a good acquisition and could really help that team because Trey Young as even a slightly above average defender is a top is just outside the top five of best player in the NBA because he has as much of a shooter's touch as Steph Curry. He just can't defend like Steph. And I will, I will defend this to my dying breath. Steph is an underrated defender. He doesn't generally have to play defense because the rest of the team around him is so good at it. But Steph is an underrated defender, especially a perimeter defender. Trey Young is not. <laughs> Trey Young is Steph Curry with no defensive ability whatsoever. And I don't know what the Hawks are doing. It seems like they are only signing offensive freaks. And I'm very confused by it. And this one... This one just makes absolutely no sense to me. I really don't get this one. Why the heck are the Hornets signing Gordon Hayward for $30 million a year? $30 million a year for Gordon Hayward. He's a great player and I like him, but he's a third option. He's not a $30 million a year guy. He's a $15, $20 million a year guy. Like... If they sign that, if they sign that deal for seventy-two million over four years, where it's it's eighteen million a year rather than thirty, that would have been that would have been a reasonably good pickup. But he's not a thirty million dollar a year guy. He he's 
He's really not. I like him. He's a good player. I'm glad he's not playing for Boston anymore. Because that made them really good. Having him made them really good. And I'm glad he's leaving. But I don't get this decision by the Hornets at all. Like, it it makes no sense to me. It, this might end up being one of the worst free agency signings of the 2020 offseason. Because I just don't think this is going to work. They have no help for him. He's a third option. If he went to Indiana, like, good lord. If he went to Indiana, the Pacers would would dominate. The Pacers would be scary. They, they'd have to make some moves to make some room for him, but if he went to the Pacers and, I don't know, they traded Turner or Sabonis, the Pacers would be truly horrifying. Because in that situation, Oladipo is still your first option. And if you keep Turner around, he's probably your second. And then Gordon Hayward's your third. That's a scary team. I thought the Butler connection with Brad Stevens would work out. But I'm honestly counting down the days till Brad Stevens goes back to coaching college. Like I think I think Brad Stevens will be back coaching college sooner rather than later. Because his Boston teams are just good enough to consistently make deep runs in the playoffs, but nothing else. And they hired him and made all those signings to win championships. And that hasn't happened. And right now, I think Miami's ahead of them as far as title contention in the Eastern Conference goes. It might only be Miami, but Miami is ahead of them. Miami, and it depends on how Milwaukee shakes out this year. It, it all depends on how the, uh, the chemistry between Drew Holiday and Giannis works. If that really works, Milwaukee could be ahead of Boston, too. And that's two teams that are really tough to beat in a best-of-seven series. The Heat would know. They beat the Bucks, And the Bucks would know, too, because the Heat kicked the crap out of them. But right now, Boston is in an interesting place. I... I I don't know if it'll happen within the next year or two, but I think within the next five years, Brad Stevens goes back to coaching the college ranks. I don't know where he would go. Butler seems okay without him. They haven't been as good, but I could see him. I could see him saying, Hey, I want to go back to coaching college and Butler just giving him a dump truck of money because Butler basketball was the best it's ever been under Brad Stevens. And now that he's got an NBA pedigree, like, it's over. Like, it's over for the rest of the Big East outside of Villanova if, if Brad Stevens goes back to Butler. Like, they were the best they've ever been under him, and I could see him sticking. I could see him coming back. I don't know why. I just think it would be cool if if Brad Stevens decided to go back to Butler. Or he went to, uh, or if Butler didn't want him back and he went and he pulled a Nick Saban and went to Indiana, that would be hilarious. I don't know if that would actually happen, but it would be really funny. 
Butler fans would be furious. But I think it would be the funniest thing ever. <laughs> but but Boston did uh, Boston did make a move, and it just hurts me. Five years, almost two hundred million dollars total to the one, the only Jason Tatum. Why? Why must this guy continue to haunt me? I, I don't get it. He's going to stay in Boston for his entire career, and it's just going to make me absolutely miserable. He's he's going to straight up haunt me his his entire career. Because that is that might actually be above Bynum, above the Horford signing, that might be the worst decision the Sixers ever made. Was trading up ahead of Boston to draft Markel Fultz when Jason Tatum was their guy from the word go. Because Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, that is a championship contender. <laughs> that is a championship contender right there. You don't even need to... And if you still go out and do the Jimmy Butler signing, that's a championship. Like, you don't go to Game 7 with Toronto. Kawhi Leonard doesn't hit the luckiest shot in NBA history. You go to the finals against the Warriors, and who knows what happens then. Like, that changes the entire trajectory for the Sixers. Is that one mistake, is trading up and drafting Mark Helfoltz. And now, Jason Tatum has turned into the face of a franchise in Boston and just signed what is effectively a $40 million a year contract. It's $35 million a year, but close enough. He signed a $35 million a year contract. That should be the Sixers signing him to a contract that ridiculous, and he would have earned every single penny of it. See, Sixers, I'm still mad at you. Because Jason Tatum is going to haunt this entire fan base for the rest of his career. You had him right there, and you drafted a guy who's not even on the team anymore. I can never forgive you for that one. But that's what I've got for a wild couple days in this delayed NBA offseason. Delayed and shortened. We are less than a month. We are less than a month from tip-off. Good God. It's going to be weird having the NBA back and, like, really back. Like, the arenas won't be full or anything, but... The teams will be back in their arenas, and it's going to be weird. But I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for basketball to come back. College basketball comes back this week. NBA's coming back in less than a month. I am ready. Because they were the two things we were robbed of first. And they're coming back. Screw you, Rona. But that's what I got for the NBA. Up next, we'll uh, get into some Valorant and wrap up the show. That's up next here on The Mashup. All right, one final segment of the show, and it's time to talk some Valorant. And shocker, just like all the other North American tournaments, at least the big ones, the finals of the UMG closed qualifier over the weekend were really good. Were really, really good. And the final four are now set. It is not the four I expected. It was pretty close. 
but it was it was not the four I expected. TSM and T1, they got in. Complexity and C9 Blue, they did not. They uh, C9 Blue got got a very unlucky draw and had uh, T1 in the first round of bracket play. So uh, there went their chances because T1 was was feeling it in this particular tournament, at least against C9 Blue, because then they proceeded to get swept by FaZe. I really wanted the Moon Raccoons to, to pull off the upset on TSM because that would have been amazing. And, I mean, it would have been a massive disappointment for, for TSM, but you can't tell me the story of a team that calls themselves the Moon Raccoons, a team of amateurs, just show up and beat up on the best team in North America in the first round of a tournament. And they would have qualified for first strike had they beaten TSM, because there were only eight teams, and the top four qualified for the first strike finals. It, it all came down to seeding after that, but... I wasn't too surprised with the result. I TSM beating FaZe Clan the way they did was was not too much of a surprise. Uh, TSM has been not great on split, and that was the one map FaZe Clan did take. But it was already too little too late at that point. TSM was already up 2-0, and then the map switched, and it was over. Once it switched to Ascent, I knew it was over, and TSM was going to win. But... FaZe Clan has shown some serious improvement over the past couple tournaments, and I'm really excited for them because as a guy with an Overwatch background, I enjoy the fact that this team of exclusively former Overwatch players, Corey, Zachary, Marv, Baby Bay, Rockus, I think Marv may have played CS. Yeah, Marv played CS, but everyone else... Corey was an Overwatch player. Zachary was an Overwatch player. Baby Bay was an Overwatch player. Rockus was an Overwatch player. So I like the fact that a team made in, like, they're the reverse T1. T1 is four former Counter-Strike players and one Overwatch player. FaZe is... Four Overwatch players, one Counter-Strike player. And the one Counter-Strike player is also the lone Canadian. The four Overwatch players are all American. So Team USA... So Team USA's uh, Overwatch World Cup team has been kind of ravaged. But, at the same time, that has led to some really good Valorant players. Sinatra and basically the rest of FaZe Clan's lineup not named Marved. But it's a, uh, they're a really good team. They were, they were a little shaky at first. They were not doing great with the whole Jason R situation was, was a bit of a mess. It was actually a lot of a mess. But once they, uh, once they put it all together and obviously there was a power struggle between, between Jason R and Corey. Because it seemed like Jason R maybe wanted more Counter-Strike players. And Corey wanted more Overwatch players. And 
the like one of the most likable non-toxic guys in esports he won that power struggle and that's why you now have his former teammates from the uh the overwatch world cup team usa roster like there's a reason it's all guys Corey was friends with when he was still an overwatch player (laughs) Like, this comes as no surprise to me. Sinatra already signed, gave all these guys the idea, and they just teamed up together. And now it's finally starting to work. They're finally getting the hang of Valorant. And it's, I I think this is going to, I think in the long run, this is going to work out well for them. I hate that their first round matchup is with Sentinels. Because that's a really good team who kind of seems destined to make a run to the final. And I think they want revenge on 100 Thieves. <laughs> if if 100 Thieves can even get past T1. Which, again, is a crime that that's a first round match. Like, this is a stacked tournament. Like, the bottom side of the bracket, these should not be first round matchups. 100 Thieves T1, Sentinels Phase Clan. These are not first round of a tournament matchups. Even if it's been through a gauntlet of qualifiers, like, and I know there's only eight teams, but these are not first round matchups. If you really think about it, like if you had a full, if you had a full, like international major, like a CS style international major, these two, these teams would never even be close to each other in the first round. These guys would be playing like, low to middle tier non-North American teams. All all eight of them. Maybe not Renegades. Renegades would maybe be playing a a higher tier non-North American team, but these guys wouldn't be playing each other and they wouldn't be playing like Liquid or G2 or FPX. Like they wouldn't, these guys should not be playing each other in the first round of a tournament. Even if it is a, a very small region lock tournament that included one heck of a gauntlet of qualifiers. But I'm, I'm really excited for this. This is going to be, this is what next weekend. Yeah, this is next weekend. This starts next Thursday and runs through Sunday. So this is going to be a really fun one. I'll, I'll make my actual predictions next week. This is more just, initial initial reactions to the bracket itself and right now just based on how they all played in qualifiers envy tsm 100 thieves t1 sentinels and face man six of the eight teams in my mind have a chance to win this thing i don't know if immortals or renegades are ready yet i don't think they are i think they had their their miracle tournament runs but i just don't think those two teams are ready they're good. They're really good and they will continue to get better. But the top tier of North American Valorant right now is those six teams. Envy, TSM, 100 Thieves, T1, Sentinels, and Face. Not necessarily in that order. If you were to ask me to put it in order, I'd say Envy, TSM, 100 Thieves, Sentinels, T1, Face. So pretty close to how it lines up on the bracket, because that's how I initially read it. I just read it down the list. But 
I'd say, I'd say Envy and TSM are, are one and two. Then probably Sentinels are, are still third. Then 100 Thieves are fourth. T1's a very close fifth. And then FaZe Clan are sixth. Those are your top six in North America, no matter what. And then rounding out the rest of the top 10, probably Immortals, Renegades, Cloud9, Blue, and Complexity. Like, that's that's probably the rest of your, your North American top 10. And, heck, maybe even Moon Raccoons are, are slipping in there. I There aren't many NA orgs left to sign them, but I hope someone does soon. Or... Or the suggestion I had on on last week's show was for uh, for Mark Cuban to just buy the roster and start paying them, but have them keep the name Moon Raccoons because that name and logo are incredible. Like they're both they're both so good. <laughs> but that's what I got for this episode of the mashup. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy your weekend, and I hope you all enjoy your thanksgiving for the americans anyway which is the majority of my listening audience but i hope you all enjoy thanksgiving obviously no show on friday because i'm not recording a show on thanksgiving but i will be back i will be back with two episodes next week don't you worry and come check me out on twitch uh when you're listening to this nuketown will have been added to call of duty because that's that's part of the next update. Nuketown will be in the game, and I will be streaming Call of Duty probably all a good chunk of the day Tuesday and a good chunk of the day Wednesday and a good chunk of the day Friday. So uh, swing by twitch.tv slash darksniper1230. Swing by and uh, watch me fail miserably on Nuketown because... If it plays anything like it did in Black Ops 1, I'm going to die. A lot. And you can all come laugh at me. Uh, Twitch.tv slash DarkSniper1230. Twitch.tv slash DarkSniper1230. So, yeah. I'll leave a link in the show description as always. Come by and say hi. I finally reached the, uh, the 50 follower goal for affiliate, so I am so close. And I would really appreciate you uh, dropping by and hanging out with me on stream. But that's it for today. And I will talk to you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving. See you then.